and now from the University of Colorado in Boulder, the College of Engineering and Applied Science presents On Cue. Welcome to this edition of On Cue. I'm Josh Roten. Today we're talking to Lieutenant Colonel Brody Hoyer, who's studying at CU Boulder to get his PhD. Hoyer's path to our college is an interesting one. It starts at West Point, where he studied mechanical engineering, graduating in 2003. Since then, he's deployed to Iraq, Afghanistan, and Kuwait, and earned his master's from Stanford in 2013, all of which gives him a unique perspective on engineering, leadership, and research that I think you'll find interesting. Cool, so thank you. Why don't you just go ahead and start by telling me about your career in military service, a little background about yourself. Okay, great, yeah, sure. So, um, uh, I'm a Colorado native. I grew up in a little town called Akron, which is out of Northeast towards Nebraska. Um, and graduated high school there in 99 um, and went to the military academy at West Point. Graduated from there in 2003. I uh, was commissioned as a lieutenant of engineers. Um, so for most of my career, I've been doing uh, combat engineering, which is a little bit different from what a normal conception of engineering is. Um, mostly doing um, demolitions, counter demolitions um, in the contemporary environment that has been a lot of uh, route clearances, looking for IEDs explosive mm -hmm. devices um, but we've also had the opportunity to do some construction right so I, it, every engineer unit in the army has some degree of construction capability so um, in 2006 I was in Afghanistan um, and in addition to looking for IEDs we were also helping build the ring road there from Bagram to Kabul and, and Kandahar um, which was which was an interesting experience um, but yeah, I've, I've had the opportunity to uh, deploy to Afghanistan once, Iraq twice, um, and in the States I've served in uh, North Carolina, New York, Texas, um, and Missouri. So I've got, got an opportunity to see kind of the whole country. Right, and West Point has a long tradition of engineering, a long history of that too, right? Was that something you were aware of when you went there? Or? Correct, yeah. So it, it started out as an as a academy for artillerists and engineers. Um, uh, because those were the most technical um, of branches at that time, um, and yeah, absolutely. Like once you start reading about the history of West Point, it's that's it's right there. You know, started out with the with that, and you know, there's always the tie-in. Um, as an engineer, you wear a castle on your collar. That's your branch insignia, and that that castle is based on Pershing Barracks, which is there at West Point. So it's it's a pretty pretty stark visual reminder of right. that heritage. Well, so you went to Stanford after that, right? That yes, yeah. So from 2011 to 2013, I had the opportunity to go to Stanford and pursue my master's degree uh, with the uh, intent of going back to West Point to teach, which was an amazing experience. I was curious if you could tell me what the difference is. Well, there's obviously some really stuff on the face of it, but um, getting education at Stanford and West Point and now at CU Boulder, it's very different places. Is there something that jumps out to you about engineering at those three institutions or something that's maybe the similar in those three institutions? Or, Well, I'd say like as far as similarities, and, and this is something that I've seen as, as, as a commonality across all, all places, but, um, you know, engineering students, engineering faculty, you know, at West Point, at Stanford, here at CU, um, the kind of the common denominator I've seen across the board is just a passion and interest and just a love for engineering. And that, that has been a commonality throughout. Um, and it's always, a um, an encouraging thing and it's, it's, um, motivating, I guess, to, to see that passion, no matter where you go, you know, we're all, we're all kind of passionate nerds, I guess. Right. right. So that's, that's definitely a commonality. I, I mean, as far as differences, you know, just differences in 
there's West Point is, is its own animal because you're you're studying to be an engineer, but at the end of it, you know that you're going to go out and with the intent of you're going to go out and lead soldiers, you know, lead soldiers in combat or or, or training or whatever it is, you know. Whereas you know the um, the students I was with at Stanford and the students with them here, you know, they're going to go into academia, they're going to go into um, business, and they're going to continue to pursue that engineering for whatever reasons that they are choosing to. So. Um, you know, it, it certainly leads to a difference in mentorship is something that I know. So being faculty at West Point, yes, I want these students to, to be competent, professional, great engineers. But at the end of the day, our common interest or where we're looking at is how do I make this young man or woman a great platoon leader, a great leader of soldiers, you know, a leader of character. Mentorship is the same, but it's different, I guess. It's overlapping goals, but different perspectives, right? Yeah, right? yeah it's, it's, you want to, we're, we're trying to create young professionals, but it's, it's just a question of what profession that is. Right. Can you tell me how you got to CU Boulder? What brought you here? Well, yeah, so again, being a Colorado native, um, I always knew about CU and I, I, I had come here for, you know, summer camps and, and the summer experiences as a, as a kid. Um, my dad's a CU law alum from mid seventies. Um, and I, I always knew that I wanted to come, if I had the opportunity um, I wanted to come back to Colorado, be close to family, Colorado. I have a biased opinion, but it is the greatest state. Um, and so I started looking at programs in the area, School of Mines, CU, programs like that. And just um, the research interests, the faculty, being able to speak to some of the faculty here at CU before we came in, just great. And, and it's a beautiful area. It's a great place to be and live and you know, bring family. And it's, it's all been pretty wonderful. Can you tell me how, maybe introduce your research question and talk about how your career to this point has sort of influenced it or dictated it? Yeah, definitely. So our group, our, my, my lab group, is studying polymer surfaces, micropillared surfaces, um, with the intent of looking at how those surfaces interact with soft tissue, specifically tissue within the human body. We want to see what the adhesive and tractive properties are for those surfaces and see if we can't potentially tune those for different applications, whether that be endoscopy or stents or, you know, in any number of, of subjects. Um, it's entirely tangent to anything I've done in the military or anything I've done career-wise. It was, it was really a question of, I had the opportunity to speak with Dr. Rinchler, who's my advisor, um, prior to coming in. At that time, he was the uh, engineering grad chair, the, the MEC engineering grad chair. Um, we, had a, we had an opportunity to talk um, and the conversation went very well, and it, it, was, it was very apparent uh, uh, right away that I would enjoy working for him, and, I, and he had the feeling that I would be a good fit in the lab, and so it was really a question of finding a, a, a niche in that, in that research area um, where I could start working. But it, was, it was almost more of a, you know, a personality thing. It was just, it, we, I think there was a sense that we could work well together. And you said that you didn't have an experience in this area beforehand. You just kind of yeah, this is all new. Yeah, so definitely had that opportunity um, to study solid mechanics as an undergraduate, got the basis in it, but I have never gotten as in deep on that particular topic area as I have before starting this research. So it's been um, very eye opening, and it's been a really new experience. Um, I know you're only just starting this program and starting to work through some of this stuff, but can you maybe for a layperson, what are some applications or where could we see this work going? Yeah, absolutely. So our group specifically, um, our primary focus is we're looking at um, improving the endoscopy procedures. So uh, one of our research focuses is endoscopy robots. So using using a small robotic 
endoscope that is more maneuverable. Um, and so it essentially makes the procedure um, not necessarily less painful, but um, quicker and more effective so that, you know, the, the, uh, the chances for um, having to stop the procedure or not getting full imaging are reduced. Um, and so, you know, a lot of that has to do with how um, effectively can the robot move within, within that system. Um, and so a lot of that comes down to, again, those adhesive and tractive properties. Um, so we're trying to increase locomotion without making, making the vehicle so tractive that it's causing tissue damage. Um, so that's, that's been a primary focus. Another focus is, again, taking those, that micro texture and adding it to um, endoscopy balloons, which is a, uh, a you know, well-established procedure, and just trying to make it better and more successful. Um, I'm not going to say you're uh, non-traditional, but um, you're definitely not the, like, um, I just finished my master's and I'm coming in straight for my PhD all in a row. Um, what is it like being in Dr. Rinchler's group and working with different people, different age groups, and kind of coming back to school? It's great. Yeah, it is definitely a different perspective. Um, you know, being the oldest person in the lab, being the only person in the lab with, you know, kids other than the advisors, of course. Um, you know, it, it definitely adds some stressors outside and there, and, you know, there are, there are competing demands that other, um, grad students don't typically have. Um, but again, it's, um, I think what's, you know, what's unifying about being in a lab is everyone's, everyone's studying, everyone's researching, we're all moving towards a common goal and we're all trying to help each other, um, towards that goal. You know, we're all, we're all studying our own, you know, we're, we're in our own, um, corners of the sandbox to some extent, but we're all trying to get to the same place. And, you know, everyone develops their own um, expertise. Um, and, you know, if that expertise can help somebody else in the lab, you know, we're all willing to help and, and row together. You talked about how this is not a specific question that you thought about before, but is there a way that your military career has prepared you to, to look at this kind of question? Is there a thought process that comes with that? I don't know if it's necessarily a thought process. I think definitely there is a notion of just being able to focus and bear down on a topic. Typically, in the, in, typically one of the things that uh, the Army is very good with developing officers is making us generalists. You know, it's kind of, kind of an inch deep and a mile wide. Um, so you have, you have enough general knowledge going in, but then have the ability to figure out where you need to focus and, 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 uh, bear down on that. So not necessarily a specific thought process, but just kind of a way of thinking, I guess. Yeah. It's interesting. I, I guess, do you have different thought processes than, uh, the other people in your group too, or is that kind of manifest itself in that way? Have you noticed that at all? I can't think of anything specific. I, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that I feel like I think about problems differently. Mm -hmm. um, maybe it's just a question of just having like different life experiences. Right. Um, One of the things when I talk to other faculty is about like engineering is a common language, and it's like people from other countries, people from other backgrounds can all do the same sort of things and have math and science as a common language. I guess that's what I'm getting at. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the physics is the same no matter what speak, no matter what language you speak. Um, so yeah, definitely. Can you talk about, um, military activity on the campus and the ROTC and, and what life is like as a military, um, active duty or going to be in active duty? So I, have been, I've been really, really impressed. I, I had no, you know, preconceptions about, you know, how active any veterans organizations or ROTC programs or anything would be, um, at CU. 
but I've been really, really impressed with the, you know, the level of participation, level of visibility, um, whether it be Student Veterans Association, the Society of American Military Engineers, um, the ROTC program here is phenomenally professional and very active. Um, so it's, just, it's been really, really impressive to see that. Um, you know, I, I can't speak for what it's like to be an ROTC student at, you know, at, at, a, at, a, at a normal institution outside of an academy. Um, but, I, you know, I, I assume that there are those same pressures. No, it's, it's, it's a very daunting thing to know that, um, you know, in the next two to three years or, or one, if you're a senior, that you're going to be standing in front of soldiers. And there's going to be an expectation from those soldiers that you're going to stand up and lead being at some point probably the least experienced person in that platoon. You know, and it, it's, it's, um, it's, it's a really interesting dynamic being that junior platoon leader who may be working with a, you know, a non-commissioned officer, platoon sergeant who may have 10 or 15 years of service. Um, and it's, it's an interesting dynamic in that, yes, you are, you are the platoon leader and all the responsibility falls on you, but that platoon sergeant, just by uh, dint of their experience, is going to be taking you under their wing and teaching you the ropes. Um, but, you know, again, it is, it's a very daunting proposition to know that that within the next year or two, you'll be standing in front of soldiers and be responsible for 40 to 50 lives. When I talk to um, people involved with the military here on campus or visiting campus, they talk about the importance of engineering in the future of the military for the U.S. Can you maybe give me some context about why it's important to have a strong um, STEM background for military going forward here? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, if, if you look at if you look at the way we fight from systems that you know are complicated, whether it's an Abrams tank or a helicopter, submarine, you know, um, joint strike fighter, anything like that, those are complicated. And it, it's, it's almost intuitive that you it would be helpful to have a STEM background in that. But, you know, even the grunts on the ground, even your average infantry soldier is carrying GPS systems highly advanced radios, highly advanced optics on their weapons. So not that you have to understand how all those things work, but if you have if you have a STEM background and understand the fundamentals of how those things work or what could possibly go wrong with them, it is a critical competency for junior leaders because it, there is there is no system, there is no branch of the military right now that is not just a wash in technology. What's it going to be like teaching at West Point for you, do you think? Is it going to be exciting to go back there? I'm very much looking forward to it. So I, I, I was able to teach there from 2013 to 2016, and it is just a, a really rewarding experience. So I, I think it's, a, it's the best of both worlds for me because I get to teach engineering, which is something I'm really, really passionate about. And I just, I really enjoy teaching engineering. And then on the flip side of that, being able to have in my in my classroom junior cadets future platoon leaders so it's it's the mix of teaching and mentoring engineering and the army leading soldiers which are two things that are i'm really passionate about and i like to speak with cadets who are also passionate about it so you're in mark Rinchler's lab it's an interesting and exciting place what's it been like studying under him so Mark is great. Um, one of the constraints on this program is I have to be done in three years, and that, that was obviously one of the one of the key points in the conversation when Mark and I were first talking about joining his lab, and and that's been great. His understanding of that constraint and his his ability to help me to scope a project 
that is interesting and you know moves science forward even a little bit, um, but is also achievable has been really really critical to you know setting myself setting my mind at ease, but also help shepherd me through the progress. Um, and and Mark is a he's he's a very dynamic person and has a lot of great ideas and it's it's just his again getting back to that enthusiasm and that passion it's it's very clear he has a huge passion for innovation and a huge passion for engineering and that's really infectious whenever you talk to him he's just just a, kind of exudes confidence and and passion and it's it's really it's helpful for me as a student in his lab um, I know it's not completely up to you but what does the future hold for you after you're leaving CU Boulder yeah definitely so after CU Boulder I'll uh, return to West Point um, as a, as a uh, senior faculty, um, and that's a guaranteed three-year tour, uh, but every department has a certain number of permanent faculty, and that is certainly the hope. So I'll, I'll definitely compete for one of those positions, and if I attain one of those, um, then it'll just be a question of deciding, you know, whether it be personal, family, or needs of the Army, you know, at, uh, at some point, um, look to retirement. All right. Thanks for talking to me very much. I appreciate the time. Hey, Josh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. This has been On Cue. For more information, visit colorado.edu slash engineering.